This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, the podcast in which our users at Wabash Station at GoPowerCat.com ask the questions and we attempt to answer them without magic here on the podcast. Something different today. We're all in person. We're using microphones. I've been vaccinated. Zach's got his antibodies in place from uh, COVID and Ryan Gilbert is possibly infected <laughs> who knows but we do not fear him tim fitzgerald zach carlson ryan gilbert and we are sponsored by the fridge wholesale liquor it's right down the street for me well about four blocks away roughly five blocks away maybe hop on over to the fridge whenever you're in town and see kevin and the gang and make sure you get whatever you need for your tailgate your party in your hotel room your apartment your strangers, excuse me, your neighbor's backyard, whatever works for you, get it at the fridge. Segment sponsors are Tanner's and the High Low. Uh, I apologize, the High Low. We've made it out a couple times, and I've never left Tanner's. This midnight closing messes with me, guys. Like, my brain is wired to go longer and do more things, but we will see if I make it out again this Friday. I don't think you missed it here. K-State won a basketball game for the second straight time. It is possible. It has been accomplished by the Wildcats. A really impressive win Tuesday night against Oklahoma, 62-57. Mike McGurl, I said after the game, two three-pointers, but it was three as I went back through the stats. Must have The first one didn't register until the second one hit, and then the third one, three in about, Roughly 70 seconds, 71 seconds, I think is what it showed up to be. Very impressive as Mike took a three-point deficit and turned it into a lead for the Wildcats. Maybe it was a six-point deficit. It was a six-point deficit and turned it into a lead. And the Cats got out of there with a win. They did just enough to win, made the plays at the right time for the second straight game. Basically, they followed the same formula that they followed against TCU on Saturday by making most of the plays down the stretch and got a win. Do you think you foreshadowed Mike McGurl from the Daily Delivery, saying it's time to thank him? Uh, maybe. And now it's really mm. time to thank him. I'm so happy for him. You know, one of the things I've been really frustrated about is seeing fans rip on him. He sucks, man. He's so bad. He takes so many bad shots and turns it over. The dude's just trying. I mean, he's been put in a position... As I've said before, he shouldn't be in. He shouldn't be a 37-minute guy. What did he, get, what did he do last night? <clears throat> he went... Uh, 38. 38-29. <laughs> 
He and Nigel Pack barely left the floor. Nigel was 38-25. That's a lot of minutes. All three starters, the, the, the least minutes of a starter was Davion Bradford at 31-40. And I'm telling you, that's too much for the big guy. He was worn out. But they only played seven guys. They only had eight available for the game. I thought it was a formula to be in big trouble against Oklahoma. But they, they found a way. And it was because of defense. And, again, Mike McGurl was such a big part of the defense. And he wasn't perfect. He made mistakes in the game. He certainly missed a lot of three-pointers early on. He was two of six before he hit those three. Maybe he was two of five. I think he missed one late, too. But he got it done. They got it done. And everyone went home happy, went home happy unless you were Lon Kruger. That poor guy can't win in Bramlage Coliseum. He was a coach that opened Bramlage Coliseum. And he wanted Bramlage Coliseum because the locker rooms and all that were so crappy at Ahern and it was just hard to do things over there. And then lo and behold, he gets to Bramlage and realizes how half-assed it was built. And I don't think he ever really liked it. Would have been better with the parquet floor. Do you guys know that story, the parquet floor story? No. Nope. 1988, Kansas State and Kansas meet in Pontiac, Michigan, to decide who goes to the Final Four. K-State is clearly the better team, has been all season. Everything goes right for KU, as you know. They win the national championship. But before the game, K-State had agreed to buy the floor on which that game was played, a beautiful parquet floor like the Celtics. And after the loss, Lon Kruger said, I want nothing to do with that floor. (laughs) So we almost had a parquet floor. Now we have a floor that doesn't fit together in Bramlage Coliseum. There's gaps in it and dead spots. Nobody has a parquet floor in college, or at least notably. That'd be a good throwback look. It'd be better than what TCU's floor looks like. Oh, yeah. I disagree. TCU's, you, you court, like? TCU's court is the best court oh. in college basketball. Ooh. In, all in college basketball. basketball. Huh. And How do you feel about organs? Bad. Yeah. Deep in the woods, bad. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. But that one, it the design covers up the floor. Like, it's distracting from the floor. TCU's is subtle. Yes, it's very white, but that's that's my main problem. Yeah, it's too light. I think if they had darkened it up so that the design was a little more subtle, I think it'd have been cool. I mean, I think it doesn't help that the arena just the well the court makes the arena feel just like you're in a hospital almost. It's so the white the light yep. is all white. It's a nice arena, but and I like the court design, but yes, very white. Well, I'll be interested to hear these questions. I haven't even. Read through the thread this time. I stayed out of it um, because I'm curious how people are greeting this. So many people have wanted Bruce Weber gone. And even though we've been saying it's not going to happen, you know, Gene Taylor has no intention. He said that. They were still hoping. Um, but I think it's clear now that he's not going to get fired. He just won two games in a row. He just beat the seventh-ranked team in the nation. Who is he, Tom Herman? Finish strong and still get fired? <laughs> So, I, I mean, it's not going to happen no. unless unless he really does want to retire and this gives him a chance to go out with some momentum and not feel like he failed the program. K-State 7-18, and 3-13 and 13 overall. They have secured, yes, they have, at least the ninth seed in the tournament. What's TCU's record right now? How many wins do they have? They have four, I believe. 
I know. It's not going to change the the matchup. It'll change the the uniform matchup. But that's right. About it. No, no, it'll be the eight nine game for sure at this point. And I think K State would if they ended up with four wins and tied. K State would win the tiebreaker based on that win against Oklahoma. Unless Oklahoma tanks, because Oklahoma should be above Oklahoma State, which means they had the better win. Hmm. Very excited for the Big 12 tournament. <clears throat> I, I love that he was asked if K-State could win the Big 12 tournament. <laughs> Hello, McFly. Is anybody home, McFly? Did, did, are we moving on? Yeah, let's move on. Did, did I ask a question? Nope. I don't. I, we have an. Yeah, we have okay. a question. <laughs> Jeez, first question of the podcast. Oh, we're starting now. Here, Are we, we here we're starting. Yeah. Okay, from Salt Hot Cat. Does our two-game win streak buy Bruce another year? If yes, <laughs> should it buy Bruce another year? Uh, well, I I don't think it buys Bruce another year. I, I think he was he had he already bought the year. He already owned that vehicle. I I really don't believe Gene Taylor was going to fire him. Unless there was like a mass exodus or something, something happened beyond the scope of the season. And I guess if if Bradford and Pack and Selton Miguel all decide to leave, you probably do revisit it at that point. I don't know. So it didn't really buy him a year, um, nor do I think it should buy him a year. I mean, you have to look at the season as a whole. However, I have said it from the start. I just want to see progress. And I wasn't seeing it. And then it started to creep in a little bit. But then you're like, okay, we've seen progress against Texas Tech and Texas. And, you know, you're being more competitive, but you're still getting pounded by Kansas. And then, boom, they beat TCU. Nice win. I mean, they they won. TCU's not very good. Oklahoma, we can all agree on we're baffled why they're winning so many games this season. I'm not impressed with them. But. That was a good win. There's no doubt about it. They had just ripped off at least three victories over top 10 programs, moved into the top 10 themselves, and, and K-State took care of business. So, I, you know, you should – if you've been holding out hope, just brace yourself. I mean, Bruce Weber will be back next season unless something really strange happens. Maybe he decides to retire. Maybe a bunch of guys leave. I don't see that. I mean, granted, guys, we're not around this group, but I feel like they're bonded. I don't feel like there's – I feel like this is the most cohesive, coherent locker room Bruce Weber's had since he inherited the team from Frank Martin. Which is crazy with all of the losses. I know. You know losses tear apart locker rooms. And the fact that they've been able to regroup and win two games in a row, I, I think that the team has – at least this group, I think they've we've we've seen their bottom – and I'm <laughs> the bottom, the the 52 week low, so to speak, yeah. if we're talking about a stock market, you know, and I'm bullish on the future if we want to keep with the stock market theme. But I think that that, yeah, I was frustrating, you know, up until a couple games ago. But the last two games, you can kind of see it click and where it's going to go into the future. Yeah, I agree. Guys, they look good at times. I mean, they still don't shoot the ball well, but Bruce teams don't. Unless you got a guy that can really fill it up. That gets back to what Goins wrote earlier in the week. Nigel Pack needs another guy. He needs someone else that uh, can really help fill up the basket and do some stuff. Poor Nigel's out of gas, but let's move on to the next question. From Ema Wildcat 82 
So we used to own Texas, but now it appears we own OU. How did this come about? Is this payback for enduring years of beatdowns from Billy and Barry? Um, Zach, you're being stared at. I know I am. But this is the first time we've done a podcast from the new home studio, and the dogs are in here because they want to be in here. And dude loves Zach, and he's just staring at him. And he doesn't like me. No, he likes you. He just not as much as Zach. He likes Zach a lot. Uh, it's it's amazing to me. Bruce Weber has never lost to Lon Kruger in Bramlage Coliseum. Lon Kruger has won as Oklahoma's coach in Bramlage one time. His first year, which was Frank Martin's last team, and hasn't beaten Bruce Weber. In fact, only in the last couple of years did he beat Bruce and Norman. K State won down there all the time. Maybe Lon's just being nice to his alma mater. Maybe Lon felt compelled to lose with the, the lavender over purples, the two tones last night, since he played in that jersey combination. He was too busy thinking about the courts they could have had there. Yeah, probably thinking parquet. That would have been lovely. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. I can't explain it because Lon's an extremely effective coach, but he has a lot of problems with Kansas State, and it's probably just how the two programs fit together. The way K-State defends obviously impacts the way Oklahoma plays, and it's done it consistently, consistently through the years. From KNED, the longest overall losing streak and worst conference winning percentage were avoided. It looks like most losses will not be exceeded, and the first winless home conference season since 1923 is avoided. Are we at least at the end of the magical history tour? Yeah. A lot of a lot of things have gone wrong this year, no doubt about it. It... I'm glad they won a home game. That was the weirdest thing. They had two wins, but they were both on the road. Mm-hmm. They'll have a. I think they'll beat Iowa State. Yeah. Although Iowa State obviously is playing better. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've been playing more competitive. Mm-hmm. I know Baylor hadn't played. In Baylor hadn't played. But we'll see. Um, I think we're through the worst of the storm. I mean, I, I don't. They've got to add a couple more pieces. They got to figure out who's really invested in the team and who's just taking up spots here, and and go get a couple guys out of the portal that add some experience, and then next year can kind of feel more normal. But we could we can discuss later what more normal should mean. So I don't know it. It sucks. A lot of stuff about this season sucks, but I've been trying to stay focused on some of the positive, and I I'm seeing positives. From Go Man Go, why did Fitz keep saying they weren't going to reschedule the Iowa State game even after Bruce said they were planning to? Well, they had they rescheduled a bunch of games and never did Iowa State until the last second mm-hmm. because they were waiting until the last second. If Iowa State had three games it needed to make up with teams that affect their NCAA tournament, this game wouldn't be rescheduled. I mean, they put it up. They have games on Sunday of that week, which is crazy to me. Yeah, I didn't think they were going to bother with it. Why bother with it in some ways? Now, I bet you Iowa State didn't want to play it. I don't know. Maybe they want to get the win. Maybe. But they can't get past K-State in the standings unless something weird happens. Yeah. They go on a win streak. 
Yeah. Up until a couple of days ago, I was with you. I was like, yeah, there's no way they're going to reschedule this game. Then I was looking at the calendar, and it was before it was before last night's game. Oh, you and I'm like, how many? More? I'm like, wait a minute, there's one more game left. It's still February. Like they've there's still a week, two weeks until the Big Twelve tournament. There's plenty of time to get that game in. Yeah, I mean, you know, like they had like they, thinking about them. Like there's there's no way they don't play this game. Well, the way it was, yeah. if Iowa State had more games to right. schedule than time to play them. Yeah. I mean, this was the last game they wanted. This was the last game to be rescheduled. I guarantee it. The two teams that ab- absolutely aren't impacted by one more win. Neither team's going to be in the postseason. TCU's going to be in a postseason somewhere. Might be the Vegas 8. Cheese it Bowl. The Vegas 8. Are they even playing a CBI or? I don't know. Why would I know? CIT? This should all go away and just get, bring back the Vegas 8. It was the most beautiful thing ever. It was beautiful. Everyone I mean, goes to Vegas. You had a we, mediocre we why, season. We Here's, know why you like it. Shush. Uh, <laughs> you had a mediocre season. Do you get to go play in a weird tournament and travel to weird places? No, you get to go to Vegas. Play there. Just hang out in Vegas. Hell yeah. That was before they had the T-Mobile Arena. Oh, no. They wouldn't need it. No, they wouldn't. They'd play in the Orleans Arena. They just need something crappy and TV-friendly. Weren't they playing? Did they play in the Orleans Arena? Or were they playing in a casino? I think they were playing like in a... MGM Grand? Yeah, in like the MGM Grand Ballroom. Not even the arena? (laughs) Yeah, I think they were, just like they do for the... Battle for Atlantis. They just play in the ballroom, which is so weird. From Ema in Iowa. I don't remember ever saying Uh this name. They've been around for a lot of months, but welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the site. If you traded senior Mike McGurl for senior Jacob Pullen, how many more wins would this team have? Wow. Wow. I don't know. I say it's not that many simply because, sorry, uh, this team's not good. If it was an okay team, then yeah. But if you put Poland on this type of team, I don't think the results change much. I think you can beat those non-con games. Yeah. He, don't lose to, he wouldn't lose to Fortes. He'd just take that game over. But they've been so far behind everyone. Would he really have closed the gap until recently? But how much could he have bonded it? I mean... His wins above replacement's got to be at least five, six. It, I this team's at least 500 with Jacob Pullen instead of Mike McGurl, and that's not to no. slam Mike McGurl. No, they don't have enough. If, if they had Jacob Pullen and all the preseason practices where these guys could learn stuff they needed to learn, they didn't learn the defensive rotations until this month because they were so far behind. I mean, they're – they're basically two months behind where they should be. Yeah, I agree with that. But, I mean, Jacob Poland's winning more than a couple games for this team. It is an intriguing question, though. Gills, you got any thoughts on this? I mean, basketball's a team sport, though, and this is always something I say about Poland is he kind of took a little step back his senior season without Clemente. So, I mean, that's just my take overall. I mean, even if you just wanted to make – I mean, it would be completely – biased and unfair, but just delete Mike's points, add Jacob Pullen's points to the comparable conference games and see, you know, just see what it might be. 
I mean, obviously, it's a terrible comparison. Well, I, I'll say this. It's, it's an eyeball, a, a rough, rough guess. Mike's been forced to try to do things that Jake can do. Mm-hmm. Here's a deep three. Until those, the threes he hit against Oklahoma Tuesday night, he hasn't made many deep threes. He's made a few. Yeah, I, it would have made a difference. I Maybe not losing to Fort Hayes, although that seemed to kind of flip a switch a little bit with this team. I don't know. I just go back to this. The conference is so good. Maybe they maybe they compete with Oklahoma State. Maybe that's the level at which they'd be. Because Jacob's better than Cade Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not sold on Cade Cunningham. I think he will be a, a good NBA player, but... If you pick him first in the NBA draft, unless he's just really being casual right now, you're going to be surprised. That kid turns it over. He takes bad shots. Um, I think he's going to be good, but, man, number one pick, number two pick, oh, man, I don't see it. But Jake's better than him. Maybe they'd be on the par with Oklahoma State, which, you know, puts you competitive with the Tech and Oklahoma and I don't know. That's a, that's a deep – boy, he comes out of the blocks with a question that just made me think. <laughs> I mean, think about the KU game. I mean, yeah, at times it wasn't close, and in the end it wasn't close, but there were also times where, you know, it felt like the game could Teetered. flip. Yeah. Te- kind of like the OU game last night. Someone hit a three, I mean, another three, and all of a sudden everything flips. Yeah. So, and and why not that be Jacob Bolin, you know, that, that pulls it off? So uh, there's there's games, and I know I've talked about it before on the podcast, where there was going to be some point this season where K-State wins a game that they absolutely should have no business winning. And guess what? That was last night. So, you know, I, I feel like Jacob Pullen, <clears throat> he would have, you know, it, him over Mike McGurl, I think would add just an extra wow factor, so to speak, that would, you know, I think that some of his teammates would play up to Jacob Poland too. You know, if, if Mike McGurl is the guy that you're trying to match the level of and, and you're a teammate, you know, you're not going to bring necessarily the, the energy and the skill level of, of what you need to, but trade that with Jacob Poland. And if you're playing up to that level, you know, he can bring those guys up too. So I just, I think that overall you'd see more, more wins. Okay. If you're just a, below average shooting team, which you would be with Poland on your team that, you know, go back to the KU game. They could probably pull out a win there. Um, they could just make some shots. So I think I might switch my answer a little bit. I don't oh. know. That's, this is oh. tough. It's a good question. Ask more questions, Emon Iowa. Next question is from win, win 1943. What are you hearing about the attitude of the guys? Hopefully most will come back. Well, <clears throat> Again, I ha- I have to point this out, but we're not around them. We're only around them in Zooms. So we're left like most fans looking at videos of their interactions and listening to what they say. But from everything I say, and certainly Mike McGurl reinforces, this team likes each other. They're really bonded. They're, they seem like a close unit. Maybe, you know, it might be like being in combat. You get close to... You know, the guys, when you've been under fire, I I don't foresee anyone leaving. No, let me put it this way. I foresee someone leaving. It's inevitable in this day and age. 
This isn't a, just a Bruce Weber problem. It was a Bruce Weber problem, but now it's not. Now it's an everything problem. It's Everyone's facing this. It's too easy to transfer, and it's sexy to get into the portal and go find a better life through the portal. But I don't. I can't point to anyone. The one I might think is Rudy Williams hmm. because it's clear Nigel Pack's a guy, particularly if Mike McGurl comes back, you know. Are you going to stick around and be a backup again? But maybe he looks at this like, I like these guys. I like it here. And I'm playing in the Big 12. Yeah, better than Juco. Better than Juco. And, you know, it's it's better than going to this Southern Conference, you know, and playing and maybe playing more, but on a stage few watch. So... I don't look at anyone on this conf- on this roster and think, oh, they're gone. They just they can't play here. Maybe Carlton Lingard leaves, but there's something to him. Sari Lewis is really raw and nowhere near being able to play. I think he should stay and redshirt again next year. And I think by the time he's on his third year, and ironically is a freshman, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think he could play. Now, does he want to do that? Maybe not. Maybe he wants to go to a D2 school and be the guy because he'd be so athletic. He'd tear people up. It's a loud plane. We're in a basement padded, and we can hear a plane going over our house. <laughs> huh. I mean, if there's anybody, I think it's Montavious Murphy. Yeah, I I think he I might think just he, stop. He, might, he might be done. Yeah, the word transfer. I don't even know if that's the right word for, yeah. for him. But if yeah, if there's somebody that's on the team right now that I expect to not be, or maybe not expect that I predict to not be back, I'd put my money on Monty. I'd put my money on Siri just because I think that from what I've seen from him, I think he wants to be a guy that is playing a lot and be a star of a team. And if he's going to stick around at K State, he can play and be a role player, but he's not going to be that guy. Who's the face of the team? So I think Siri would be my vote. Um, I I think Carlton as well. I know he's not healthy, so it's kind of hard to gauge what he can do. But, I mean, I hate to throw this out there, but what do you think about Kazupki? I mean, he's been injured, so I know it's – I don't want to be critical on him. But you don't like him. You don't like him. He's a good guy. I don't like him. You don't like him as a player. He has not impressed me yet, but he has been injured, so I'll be fair. But he went – what he shot, like four threes in a row from that – from that, you know, right in front of the K-State bench last night, and they all went – Boink. Bad. So, and then Reeves was just taking him to school at the end of the game. I'm like, why is Kazuki yeah. guarding Reeves? But, but he was, see, that's that, not, that doesn't affect his transferring. That's why Lon Cruz is a good coach because he knew K State yep. was switching, so he kept using the pick to yep. switch Reeves onto Kazuki. He looked out of place at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. He looked like he didn't belong out there. There was no other choice. K State wanted to go small. Bradford had dinged his knee. I missed the fact that they put him in briefly. I didn't see I, that. I did not see, didn't see it either. Maybe they put him to the table. Weber said they went to put him back in, and they decided not. Maybe they called him back, but he never went in the game, I don't think, um, after the injury. And you, if you're going small, you're not going to put Iziagu out there. And then Sari Lewis is your other guy on the bench, and you don't want him out there. He doesn't know what he's doing yet. So you put Kazuki out there, and he looked out of place. But I think he's being good friends with Bradford. I think he's invested in this team too. I think I think Luke Kazubki playing right now 
I think is the the definition of what this team is. Like you've said, they're two months behind. Well, Luke Kazuki is two months behind. Mm-hmm. I think that he's kind of the standard of what this this team is. Yeah, he didn't play much, at, you know, especially throughout you know the early part of that losing streak. But I mean, if you if you really want to get down to it, I think that that's kind of the the average, the rolling average here of, of what K State basketball is. And as if if Luke Kazuki's improving these last two games, you know, I think that the overall status of the program is improving. But but no, back to the question. I, I would I hope that Luke Kazuki's not because, um, you know he's a sharpshooter. You know once he gets his shot dialed in from three, it's going to be fine. Mm. Not worried about him. If not once, if it happens. Okay. I'll tell you what, that first one he shot last time from the top of the key that went off the backboard. I'm like, <laughs> ooh, wreck ball. <laughs> no. As in wreck the backboard. It, well, at least it wasn't Mike McGirl's air ball. <laughs> Hey, every shooter does it. Every shooter does it. Uh, Last question of the first half, probably directed at Ryan Gilbert. From Rasslin1982, is the basketball recruiting class for 2022 looking good? Or does it appear that Weber is following his cyclical pattern of not building upon a good recruiting class? I don't have any one specific person to point out that's a favorite, but I, it's, it's pretty obvious. Look at this last year's class. I think that they're all in on, on them, and I think Landers will be a good piece moving forward, but I don't think any maximum, – Maximum Edwards is no more than a role player moving forward. So I think they're all in on, on this freshman class, and like we just talked about, there will be turnover. What's up, Fitz? No, that's right. Okay. That's the 21 class. Did I say something wrong? This is the 21 class. Yeah, that's the 21 yeah. class. Talking He's about talking the 22. future. Yeah. No, I'm just talking. Okay. In that's general. kind of what it'll be like in 2022. I think they might get a guy that's good, but it, overall, they're going to be all in on, on this year's freshman class. Right well, let's now. be clear here. The only senior they'd have in that class is Rudy Williams. Yep. And I just mentioned he might transfer. And if he transfers, <clears throat> I mean, what do you add? I personally would prefer if they have some grad transfers, they add. I mean, if they have some transfers, they add grad transfers. They add fifth-year experienced yep. guys that can bring something to the locker room, ideally to the court. But, you know, it, you're so young now, you don't know consistently what kind of slots you're going to have until the end of the season when someone might transfer, and then you're caught you know, I mean, everyone's most of the good players have signed. That's been the that's been the cycle K State's been in. That's been the problem. You think you only have two open scholarships? You get two guys in the in the fall class, and then three guys transfer. Well, now you've got to find three more guys when most of the good players signed in the fall. And Bruce has not properly used the portal or transfers as a whole whether it was the portal or whatever it was before. He should have been looking at transfers more often than he did instead of signing some of these guys that had no business being signed to a Big 12 program because they had no business being signed by a Division I program. He signed some guys that flat out couldn't play at this level just to have them. A body in practice? I don't know, but... Yeah, we'll find out more as we go, but it's it's not going to be a big class. And if it is only one guy, 
I hope they vied about five guys that can be high-volume scores, and they're putting everything on for those guys because that might be a good sell for them. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got to have someone to fill it up. The parts are here to be really good, except we're missing a guy just like you. We'll find out. We'll find out where they go with this. It's been Bruce Weber's M.O. to Cruz, though. He did it with his last group. He That's what got the program to this point. He went through a, a, a number of classes, and Mike Goins had a great piece on breaking down what went wrong with back-to-back recruiting classes. You've got to make sure you got a, two guys that can contribute every year, and they weren't even averaging one. They just cruised on their class. Well, that's going to do it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. Much by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. I'm Tim Fitzgerald with Zach Carlson and Ryan Gilbert, and we'll be right back from the home studio, the first use of the podcast area. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, sponsored by Fritz Wholesale Liquor. Our segment sponsors are Tanners and the High Low. Make sure you're supporting small business, whether it's here in Manhattan, businesses just like that, or in your hometown, small businesses make the world go round. How's that? That's nice. Tim Fitzgerald, Zach Carlson, Ryan Gilbert. Cats win. Cats win. They can't do a third one. They only won twice in a row. It's good, though. Guys, nobody cares about us and the toll this is taking on us. (laughs) We've had to cover so many losses. It was good to write something not just positive, but you knew that people would receive it that way. Yeah. Not saying nice things because Mike McGurl's doing so much right and they're still losing and people are like, oh, he sucks. This team sucks. I mean, it was nice to write something because he made some huge plays in that win. Huge. Indeed. Plays. Well, in case you've missed it, we reported it a couple days ago at GoPowerCat.com, but this morning Kansas State officially announced the hiring of Tremaine Carroll as the new strength and conditioning coach. Very intriguing. Rooted in Oklahoma State football, comes to K-State after spending time at South Florida. The weather here is similar to there and the fact that we both have weather. <laughs> I like it. I like this hire. I mean, I, have no, I don't, I don't know. He's young. He seems dynamic. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Chris Dawson's a big loss. 
Do we have questions about this, Zach? Yeah, that's well, the first we're going to lead off. Well, let's so go. Don't. Let's get yeah. going. You got it. I got it. You got it. Oh, boy. Here we go. Get your uh, edit butter, uh, button ready, Fitz. From WTDD2001, what are your thoughts on Tremaine Carroll hiring? Well, I'm going to go back to the Dawson thing I was just talking about. Um, he interviewed for Alabama last year. They gave him a raise to stay. I mean, the fact that strength coaches now are getting $400,000 a year, <clears throat> some are over half a million. It just, it's astonishing to me. It's astonishing. It, it's really important. Um, but it's also important that a strength coach be on the same page as the head coach. And I don't mean like arguing. I mean, we want our players to be good at this. Because when you say strength and conditioning coach, there's different ways to go about being that. You can be the guy that still wants to throw up a bunch of weight and, you know, just be sure bulk and, you know, I know Chris Dawson wasn't that. And you can go the other direction all the way to the other end and just be interested in flexibility and speed and explosion and those things. I have had no one tell me this, but I sensed there was a disconnect between the style of the the coach, particularly offensive line and what they want from them, and what was being done in the weight room. That's just my thought. And now they have someone that, that might be able to do things the way they want and honestly connect with players. I mean, Chris Dawson was old school. He's a yeller, screamer, disciplinarian. And I'm not saying you don't need that. Hell, yeah, you need that. But maybe that was part of what was going on. There was players just unhappy with that style. That might be a alarm bell, but I don't – looking at Carroll, I don't see he's going to be a pushover. He's just I – don't, I don't know what the ages are, but roughly 20 years younger probably than the guy he replaces. So – He'll be good. I mean, maybe he'll be more connected to his players. Yeah, I I think he'll be fine. But, I mean, I don't mean to, to put it this way, but a strength coach is a strength coach is a strength coach. You know, every, every school has them. We'll get into more questions about, you know, their impact on programs. But it, to me, it doesn't really matter who the guy is. At the end of the day, you're going to be lifting weights, running, conditioning, the way you get to to the end goal of being in tip-top shape for Division One college football, you know, the end goal is the same. But the way you get there in the philosophies, I don't think it really matters to to the to the public and to the fan base. Really, I mean, if the guys are in shape, at the end of the, at the end of the day, the strength coach did his job. Yeah, I played football for one year, so I don't. I'm not a football expert, but I'm with you, Zach. And I get there's different ways to do it, fits. But I mean, if you're if you're a player and you care enough, and it doesn't matter, you're going to get the weights and the reps in no matter what. So. I, you you're right. I think maybe the best attribute a strength coach can have is motivating the players to be self motivated. Yeah. To not have to get on them to show up. That they they're invested in it. I uh, I just find it fascinating that. This is a topic of such deep discussion because five years ago, maybe not 10 years ago, certainly not. I mean, when Chris Dawson came from Kansas to join Bill Snyder staff, we, we talked about it, but it wasn't like, whoa, 
Well, I remember talking about how he had KU in such good shape. He played a significant role in Mangino's teams being good at Kansas, but we didn't delve into salaries and all that stuff. It's just the whole industry of college football coaching is nuts right now. The amount of money being spent. Yeah, I guess to end my point, it doesn't really matter. I don't think anybody, the fan, the regular fan is going to be rah-rah over whoever they hire and be like, wow, that guy, I know that he really gets on his guys in the weight room and they're going to be big, strong dudes. I don't, there's just so little differences between the big, strong dudes that are playing college football that it really matters who's, who's in charge of them. Next question from BVWJ. Given the contact time with players and impact on the work ethic for the entire team, is the strength and conditioning coach the second most important position on the staff? You can make that argument in totality. I mean, if you're an offensive lineman, Connor Riley's the second most. You know, if you're yeah. whoever your position coach is, they're, they're with you all the time. And But for the entire program, yeah, there's – parts of the season when the team is entirely about that strength staff the coaches can't have them on the field the coaches can only do so much and you know maybe they watch some film or maybe they you know just make sure a kid stays eligible but for the most part they're in the hands of the strength coach and you know he's the one who has to give all the feedback to the head coach so if if you don't impress your strength coach you're not going to get good reviews you're just not so yeah, I mean, in totality, yeah, I would agree with that. For each player, it's probably the head coach followed by their position coach. Yeah, that's a good I way feel to. Like you can almost make an good argument. Good way to put it. It's like the least important, though, just because of all the position coaches coming together, as well as the coordinators and head coach. You know, well, I can see your point. Yeah, I'm, but, not, I'm not saying that, but I, it's. It's it's just whatever way you look at it. But yeah, it's wh- how do you how do you bake your cake? I guess you know what what ingredients goes where. You know, are you are you looking at it from I'm a wide receiver? Well, it's Courtney Messingham now is the second most important person in the program. Or do you look at it as a whole? Everybody has to be strong. Everybody needs to be in tip top shape. Yeah, the strength coach overall. Is in charge of everybody. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's two ways to look at it. If you have a well-conditioned defense that can't tackle, what good was the strength coach? So, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it all goes together because once you're done with your season until spring football, your ass belongs to the strength coach. And then you get into spring football and you have that. And once you're done with that and have your little break and go home and, you know, eat cupcakes with mom, sounds lovely. You come back home or come back to school for the summer and your ass belongs to the strength coach again. And that rolls right into the fall. So there are periods of significant impact for that strength coach. Significant. But you're right. You can look at it as, well, someone's going to do that job. You know, someone's going to keep you in shape. But if you're, you're a defensive coordinator, can't teach you to tackle and be in the right spot. What's it matter? That's your point, Gilson. Next question from Herdez Joe. Rating from 1 to 10, 10 being perfect and stable, how would you rate the K-State Athletic Department? Five. And, and I, I, I so quickly answer that because I don't know where they're at. I don't think they're in bad shape. I don't think they're in good shape. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. I. I'm a little confused at where K-State is right now. Basketball's a mess, both teams. 
but I don't know if that's going to be long-term. I mean, is it possible Bruce Weber's team goes 9-9 nine and nine or better in the Big 12 next year? Next year, Sure it is. I, I don't know that it'll happen, but it's possible. Is it possible Kansas State football goes 10-2? and two? Well, yeah, it's also possible to go 4-8. and eight. So I guess my answer is, let me get through football next year. If Gene Taylor's hire of Chris Kleiman tanks next season, then the alarm bells go off. But if they win eight, nine, ten games or more, then you're like, oh, everything's good. Even if basketball only wins six games in the conference, you you feel like, oh, football just won nine games and basketball's improving. Go Cats. It's trending down. You asked me a year ago, I might have said a six or seven, but right now after losing five straight in football to end the season, I'm going to go with a five. We're sitting right in the middle, and we can go south or north. I hope that football doesn't tank next year because if it does, you're going to see the same fan response as we're seeing with Bruce Weber in basketball right now. But I think Chris Kleiman is afforded much more time than what Bruce Weber has. You know, Bruce needs to keep it going. And if he's going to be back next year, he needs to be, you know, there's a certain baseline that he needs to meet if he's going to, you know, keep returning year after year. But with Chris Kleiman being new, you know, you have the one year and then you have a pandemic year. And now you've got this kind of rebuild that you've got to do again. You know, it kind of delays the the expectation of, hey, they're going to be somewhat bad for a little bit before he gets it really rolling. And, and unfortunately, the pandemic here and how it ended kind of soured the taste of of the fan base. But you know, now going forward, you know, this year doesn't really count in the expectations level. So really next year is going to be kind of year two, 2.5, I guess, you know, it's just this, this last year. And with the pandemic, it's drawn out the timeline or it's paused the timeline, you know, he's going to have more time. And I think that, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful and obviously, you know, nothing's happened yet. But if K State football is good, we're not going to have to have this discussion. But but if you know if they go four and six again, and you know lose a bunch of games in a row, people are going to be freaking out. And I think that that I'm going to freak out. They didn't play two games on the schedule. Oh, sure, <clears throat> that, sure. You forgot to show up for two games. That probably should get you fired. But yeah, I, I see your point. I we we just got to get through football season next year, and as some people on the board keep pointing out we have a university president who doesn't want to be the university president. I mean, yeah, he does, but he wants to retire. The poor guy has served his country and he filled in on basically an interim basis. It wasn't called that, but we all knew that when you hire a president that's over 70 years old, it's not going to be long-term. Richard Myers wants to retire and go live in his camper tank or whatever he's got. I don't know what it is. That's that a thing. And the Board of Regents won't let him. So I I come back to this. Let's say football goes four and eight, and basketball is in the midst of struggling again, maybe improved, but certainly not competitive at the level at which K State fans expect. And a new president walks on campus in January. Gene Taylor might be in trouble. 
Doesn't matter what we think. What's the new president think? Is he going to be a, or he, her, sorry about that. Are they going to be a person who walks onto campus and says, well, I'll assess things and just kind of sit back and wait? Or are they a person like, what the hell? We should do better than this, not just in athletics, but in academics and everything. And if you're failing this university, you're gone. It's kind of about the snapshot, the moment in which you're living, and we'll see. It's kind of, it's also like realignment. If you just went ten and two in football, you're going to be in good shape. Mm-hmm. If you're two and ten and you're Kansas State or Baylor, or you're going to be in trouble. Find out. Let's get through football season next year, and we'll know a lot more. Next question from CW Powercat. Not sure if you've ever asked a question here, so uh, welcome yeah, to put the it down. podcast. Isn't I think it? we have another new one. Wow. I didn't see. I don't remember how many months. He might have been around for a while, too, but he has think, less than like 10 posts, I think. I think so. uh, CW is Courtney Wessingham, like it's his <laughs> alter identity. Because <laughs> if I was Courtney Messingham, that's what I would pick. Well, nobody would ever guess it's you. Oh, I'm Wessingham. That's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wessingham wants to know, would you bet your life on K-State winning a national championship in one of the three big sports, football, basketball, baseball, during the 21st century? Which one is most likely? <laughs> Man. Basketball. Basketball is the, the easiest one to get into the picture of doing that. I mean, Wichita State's been to a Final Four. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get what you mean. I don't see Kansas State ever being fully competitive in baseball. It's why I don't think we should have baseball at Kansas State. Because of the weather. You're just at a huge disadvantage. Unless they realign the season to be more summer-oriented, it, it's gotten to the point now where the days of the Nebraskas and Wichita States being on par with the SEC and Arizona State or whoever you want to point out, those days are gone. Players aren't doing that. They, they typically, if they're going to get offers, they're going to take the warmest offer at the best school. And we'll see it played out. Football takes so many resources and so much alignment, and now the playoff has the has the game skewed. It's got to be a real freak occurrence where a program can rise up and earn that spot without them saying, oh, I know Kansas State's 12-0 and winning the Big 12 championship game by three touchdowns right now, but Michigan's got a loss, but they're better, you know? I mean, they. this is about picking the name. And until that changes, it's going to be almost impossible for Kansas State to have access to winning a national championship. They'll have to be perfect, and nobody can be on their bumper with a legendary name. Basketball, get in the field, go win six. You're a national champion. We're talking about 79 more seasons of of sports. So I think your best chances of making it to the postseason are obviously basketball, making the field of 64, or if they expand it to whatever, you know, K-State's going to be there. But my problem with that is right now they have to win six games if they want to be the national champions, at least with football. You know, we talked about it. It was, it was a hypothetical question, I think, for my like Pickles Cat, but... 
about, you know, which one would you take? Would you take football, basketball, you know, if one had to be bad or the other, you know, and I took the football where, you know, you win so many championships because if you take two championships over the course of 10 years, you know, you're probably going to make the championship game a couple other times. You know, if you, if, if K-State football can make it to the big 12 championship game and win it, which I think they can do in the next 79 years, at least once. And if the college football playoff, which it's certainly going to expand, but let's say it's four, I'm certain they would make that at least once. I would say that that is the best chance because they only have to win two more games or three more games. Okay, let me ask this. Ryan Gilbert, if you knew in three years when this group of freshmen or all seniors, Kansas State basketball was going to win a national championship but for the next 20 years you would never make the postseason would you take it probably not what see i think you i think most fans would take that national championship 20 season but if you turn it around and say in football you're going to win two conference championships in the next 20 years but not go to any other bowl games that would devastate your yeah. your athletic department. No, you wouldn't take that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at. I know it's football, and we're talking about basketball, but I mean, look at KU winning the Orange Bowl. That was the last thing they ever did in football. Maybe they made that bargain. Maybe that's what they did. They said you're never you're going to win the Orange Bowl, but you're never going to win another bowl game or go to a bowl game. You're just going to suck, and you're going to pay Charlie Weiss and Turner Gill a lot of money at the same time. And when they when they agreed to that deal, part of it was, and your coach will look like the Bulls mascot. And they thought, wow, it'd be a bag of Tostitos. But no, they went to the Orange Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that to go back to the, the main question, though, um, like you said, Wichita State, you know, had a run, VCU, Butler, you, you know, anyone can go to the George Final Four. Mason. George Mason. Sure. Speaking in the mic, Gills. Hello. Am I talking yeah. loud you're, and clear? You're, you're kind of far away. I'm not used to this because I'm used to being on Zoom. I can just sit back and yeah, have hang my, out. my talk in the mic. And, yeah. Um, I, would, I would say basketball if I had to bet my life on that, but I don't know if I would want to bet my life on it. So I'd bet your life on it. You bet my life, yeah, not yours. Yeah, your life. Okay. No, not mine. <laughs> I buy you my life. I, I know you don't like it, Fitz, but part of me just says baseball. Because before basketball, I know you have to win more games, but you make your regional right now. You just got to get out of that. Then you go to the super regional. This is a three-game series. Pretty easy. Then you go to Omaha, and there's eight teams. I mean, I still f- I feel like the if you can make the College World Series, that is – you have a better chance there than you do at making a Final Four. If you have three good starting pitchers, a closer, and enough offense, and you're not bad, and you're, you're sound defensively, which you can be. I mean, you can be good defensively and sacrifice offense, but if you've got a couple guys that can come up with timely hits, honestly, a Whit Merrifield, because he did it in the College World Series. Yeah along with some pitchers that keep you in every game and a closer that can take a close game and make sure it's a win, you can compete. The problem is you can't get those parts at Kansas State on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. I feel like you kind of described K-State baseball this season. Could be, but (laughs) did you see what the SEC did to the two of the best teams in the Big 12 in the tournament? No, I did not. They swept them. 
they swept them this past weekend. Wow. Big 12 went winless against the SEC. It was it Texas and Texas Tech got shut out by two SEC programs. Well, there's a huge you we talk about the gap in football. It's worse in baseball. SEC baseball. I mean, it's literally a third sport. Yeah. I mean, it's not just the sport in the spring. Well, I mean, Frank Martin talked about it. Say it's what, a second sport. That's exactly it. At South Carolina, men's basketball is the third sport. Yeah. Baseball is more important. Must be nice to have the weather for it. Cats open Friday at home. Western Michigan. Hey, do you uh, think do you Alexa, th- what's the weather for Friday? <laughs> On Friday, February 26th in Manhattan, you'll see partly sunny weather and can expect a high of 51 degrees Fahrenheit and a that's, low of 28 degrees. That's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I agree. It's fine. We're in Kansas. It's fine. That If that game's in Columbia, South Carolina, it'll be 75 degrees and sunny with Partial showers of bikini tops. <laughs> yeah, the players are going to go to Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, but at least it's 50s in October when it matters. That's a good name for If you're a big boy. That's a good name for a punk band. Welcome to the stage, 50s in October. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, too. Oh, no, I, I don't remember now. Do you think Minnesota baseball is any good? Because they play indoors. Are they ever any good? I would want to go there to play indoors. They play indoors? They play at U.S. Bank Stadium. I didn't realize it, but really? they, they, uh, what, are, what was the old dome called? The Metro, uh, it's like the Metrodome. They can set it up like the Metrodome hmm. for baseball. They can move all the seats back, put a baggie up, call it a home baseball field. Good for them. That would suck. Baseball was meant to be outdoors on the green grass. With the smell of sheep and cow poop in the air. No. With a rolling roof. (laughs) With a rolling roof. Okay, next question. Last question of the podcast is from Liquid Sasquatch. How long can we expect KU basketball to suffer from the NCAA investigation? Is the domination in the Big 12 over? The next step, if you're a fan of Kansas failing, is it? the punishment be directed at both the school and Bill Self. A lot of this is Bill Self. I mean, Kay was good under Roy Williams. They are great under Bill Self. We have a snoring dog in here. <laughs> it It's... Uh, drive Bill Self to the NBA, and then I'll accept that Kansas basketball is going to step backwards, have them have a few lingering sanctions that make players the five-star one-and-dones or even the four-stars that want to maybe think about somewhere else. And I'll add a third thing. So what I'm, is, are put, we thinking the same thing? Put the NBA in Kansas yep, City. Yep, yep. Take all that corporate money and all that passing interest from T-shirt fans in Kansas City, which is significant and makes them a point of discussion on talk radio and such a central aspect of sports in Kansas City. I mean, K-Staters don't want to hear this, but as far as the Kansas City media is concerned, you have the Chiefs, Royals, and Jayhawk basketball, and then maybe sporting, but not really. They don't really talk about it that much. Enough. A little bit. More than a lot of soccer cities. But when it comes to the big three sports... You got the Chiefs, Royals, and Jayhawks. And that would change if you had a basketball team. 
maybe a little bit with the hockey team, but really basketball yeah. would suck the life out of KU. So, rich people that are K-State fans, go get the NBA to Kansas City. Yeah. Or Manhattan. That'd be fun. Oh, the NBA in Manhattan. Yeah, just ruin K-State. <laughs> <laughs> could could we then be the uh, Mad Cows? We could. It'd be the, like it'd be like Green Bay, just a little, little, little NBA town. Everybody knows everybody. Mm. No. Yeah, but like your your point about the NBA. Yeah, you want Allen Fieldhouse to look like Gallagher Arena. That is the goal. Dest- the NBA would make Allen Fieldhouse Gallagher Arena. And that would be very sad for the state of basketball, historical basketball, Allen Fieldhouse being empty bleachers. And that's it. Yeah, it'd still be college full. The students would still go. It would be Gallagher a lower level full. You could see seats at the top. Mm-hmm. Lots of seats. I agree. I have always contended that. Kansas basketball is back-to-back average seasons away from not even being close to full. That arena. Or maybe they're just filled up with students. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We can all hope and dream. I want the NHL in Kansas City, though. I want the frozen fountains. Yep. I should trademark that. KCFrozenFountains.com. Add that to your GoDaddy account. Uh We'll do that. Mm -hmm. Well, that's been the Powercat Questions Podcast. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate the fridge. We appreciate GoDaddy. Folks, I, I should just share with you, and Zach can tell you this. I have an addiction to web domains. And, uh, add cart... I've owned a lot of domains in my lifetime, but the biggest missed business opportunity I've ever had was when I thought about having an underwear company named Fancy Bridges. As far as I know, FancyBridges.com is back on the domain availability list if you want to dream too. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.